Well, how's everybody doing today? You guys good? So it's good to see you guys. So Gamecock fans, y'all should be happy today. All right, like, like we, you know, we give the, give the Clemson people plenty of time to cheer. We got to give you Gamecock fans every now and then, all right? So, so hopefully you've had a great day, a great day yesterday, and uh, hopefully just a great morning. I, I hope that you've enjoyed the beauty of the morning that God has given us. Because um, it's just a beautiful day, and you might have started your morning with some coffee, or maybe a little bit more like me with some Diet Coke, and well, whatever it takes to get up and get going. Uh, so, so thankful for you, and, and glad that you're here and worshiping, and hope that you've just had a great time so far. Um, if you're new with us, man, thank you for coming, and, and please don't just come, but get connected. As a church, our, our desire and our goal is to help you find what matters. And we know that when you get connected to Jesus and others, that, that's the best way to find that. Uh, so if you're new with us, please get connected with us. Uh, hopefully you stop by a New Year tent on your way in. Uh, if you didn't, uh, there's a QR code right in front of you. You can just scan that QR code. Let us know that you're new with us. And then on your way out, stop by that tent. They've got a gift for you uh, that they would love to give you. All right, and, and for those those of you who've been coming for a while, but you haven't joined the movement, use that QR code in front of you because I'd love for you to join the movement and get connected with us as a church as well, all right? Now, before I dive into the message, there's just a couple things I want to share with you, uh, big things that are happening around here. Uh, one is tonight. At 6 o'clock, we're going to have a night of worship, and, and that night of worship is just a, a way to kind of put a, a stamp, um, uh, a, a period, an exclamation point on this series that we've been doing for six weeks, that, that today we're kind of wrapping that up. So tonight we're just going to have a time of worship where we're going to pause and we're going to connect with Jesus. Uh, so that'll be at six o'clock. Invite you to come back and hang out with us here. All right. Uh, another thing uh, to make sure you're aware of is in March, uh, I'm going to be leading a mission trip to the Dominican Republic, and I'm excited about that. We're going to go to, to our mission partners there, and we're going to do ministry, but we're also going to spend time visiting uh, our partners, and, and we have full-time missionaries in the Dominican, uh, Timmy and Shelby, uh, Maddie Lowe, a guy named Marcos, a lady named Lynn, and we want to go and visit them and, and love on them, but also do ministry alongside of them, and I would love it, if you're interested, to come along on the journey. It's going to be over coastal spring break. Uh, so if you're a coastal student, uh, that should work out well for you. And uh, if you have information about that, you can go to the app or you can just stop by the lobby. Uh, I'll be out there and would love to just talk to you about that trip. All right. And then the last thing is, is today we are wrapping up this series, uh, which means next week we start a new series. I'm fired up about it. The new series is called Get Off Your Donkey. Okay. So, so I'm prepping you right now. That's the title uh, because uh, we, we, we really want to do that. And the idea of the this, of this series is going to be about how do I live a full life towards God? towards Jesus? How do I live a sacrificial life towards him? How do I do the things that he's calling me to do? It'll be a great series, so I want, want to invite you to come back for that, all right? But, but first, we're going to kind of wrap up this series, and this series has been called The Unhurried Life, and, and it's been a long series for us, six weeks long, and we said that we were going to take our time through this because this series is all about unhurry in our life. So the worst thing we could do is speed through it, right? So, so we've tried to really pause. We've tried to slow down and, and teach some principles or some 
disciplines because many of us need to unhurry our life. Uh, part of it is we said that this series is based off a quote by a guy named Dallas Willard. Uh, he, he said this. He said that hurry is the great enemy of spiritual growth in our world today. That, that, that hurry is the enemy of it. That, that we get in such a hurry that, that we don't get to grow in Christ the way we want to. Uh, Craig Groeschel, uh, he's a pastor in Oklahoma, and, and he said something similar. He said, the enemy to the life you want might be the life you're currently living. Think about that one for a second. The enemy of the life you want might be the life that you're currently living. Because we, we live in this life where we're always in a hurry. So what we tried to say is we need to slow down. We need to press pause. We need to put some principles or spiritual disciplines into our life that will unhurry our life. That, that, that we said it in this way that, that we need to start practicing some things. Like, like week one, we really talked about practicing the pause. That we need to put this idea of a pause into our life. And then out of the pause, we would build upon it and we would, we would start to be present. We would start to pray. We would start to ponder. We would start to purge. But we wouldn't be able to do those things if we weren't practicing the pause. Now, here's reality for many of us. We don't like to practice. We're kind of like Allen Iverson. Anybody remember Allen Iverson, right? Allen Iverson, right? Coach, you got me on that one, don't you? Practice? Are we talking practice? Like, I know that was years ago, but that's how we kind of think through practice. Like, we don't want to do it. Yet there's a guy named Malcolm Gladwell who said it takes 10,000 hours of practice to become an expert. So, so my challenge to all of us, myself included, is that we put these principles into practice. And Paul said the same thing. In this book we've been studying, the book of Philippians, that, that he said it this way, Philippians chapter 4, verse 9. He said, keep putting into practice all you learned and received from me. Everything you heard from me and saw me doing. Then the God of peace We'll be with you. And I think that last part there, and the God of peace will be with you. I think all of us are like, yes, I want that. I want the God of peace. I, I want to feel peace. I want to get out of this anxious place in my mind, this anxious place in my heart. I want to get away from the hurry uh, of the clock and of my schedule. And I want the God of peace to be with me. Well, he says, you'll have that if you... Put into practice. I simply need to start putting these things into practice. I need to start practicing the pause. I need to start sitting with Jesus. And when I pause, and, and that could be a five-minute pause. We talked about this on a daily basis, to, to find a time to pause. It might be in the morning. It might be on a car ride. It might be at night. It might be on your lunch hour. Like, you're going to have to figure that out according to, to your life. But we figure out, how do I weave the pause into my life? 
And then when I get the pause going, when I, when I slow down and pause, well, then I can be present with God. I can be present with myself. That, that, that I can start to pray and, and talk to Jesus. I can start to ponder the words of Jesus. I can purge my life of things that aren't in alignment with Jesus. That these are the things that happen when I pause on a daily basis. And for some of us, like, we've started doing it. For some of you, you've been like, yep, uh, it's, it's working in my life. Others of you have been like, yep, good thought. I just haven't practiced it very well. So today, it's just really kind of that exclamation point of put it into place, practice the pause on a daily basis. But I want to go one step further. I, I kind of want to kind of level up, if you know what I mean. And for some of us, we'll be like, well, Josh, it's been hard enough already trying to practice the pause on a daily basis. But, but I want you to do that. But I want you to go one step further. And I want you to practice the pause on a weekly basis. That it's not just a daily thing where I'm trying to put this principle in. It's on a weekly basis. I actually figure out a way to take a whole day and pause. And for some of us, you're like, lost me. Some of you business owners right now, you're like, impossible. Take a day off, ain't gonna happen, right? Like that, that's where we go. But we need to figure out how do I practice the pause, not just in moments throughout my day, but at least one day a week where I pause for the day. See, this is a principle that we find in scripture that's called the Sabbath. And, and I, wanna, I want us to look at it. And I want us to figure out how do we Sabbath in 2022? Like how do we Sabbath in the world that we live in? Well, some of us would go, okay, first of all, what in the world does Sabbath mean? Right? Like it, it comes from an old Hebrew word uh, that, that they would pronounce Shabbat. And, and I'm going to give you the definition. It's a really difficult, deep definition. You ready? Stop. That's all the word means. Sabbath, Shabbat means stop. That, that they had a rhythm in their life where they would stop one day a week. And the reason they did this is because God told them to. Now, let me, let me take just a couple minutes and, and show you a couple scriptures that really explain where and why and how God instituted the Sabbath, or you could call it the stopping day. That, that what God did is it started in the book of Genesis, which is the very first book of the Bible. It says this, that so the creation of the heavens and the earth and everything in them was completed on the seventh day. God had finished his work of creation, so he rested from all his work. And God blessed the seventh day and declared it holy because it was the day when he rested from all his work of creation. That, that what we see in the book of Genesis is God instituted the Sabbath, that, that he worked for six days, he did all the heavy lifting, he did all of the producing, and then on the seventh day, he said, I've produced enough, I'm going to stop. And not only did he stop, he blessed it, like he set it apart as a holy day. 
And it doesn't talk in scripture about God at creation blessing a lot of things. Like it says everything was good, but there's only two other things God blessed. That it says that he blessed the animals, meaning he spoke well of them. It says that he blessed mankind, that he spoke well of us, and that he spoke well of, he blessed the seventh day. As he said, I'm done producing, I'm going to stop. He instituted it at creation. Let me go further, though. He reminded us during the Exodus that there was a time as thousands of years later, the Israelites were slaves in Egypt and they were leaving Egypt. They were running for their life. And as they were leaving and fleeing Egypt, that they were um, out in the kind of the desert and God was providing food for them every day in, the, in a way called manna. And then God kind of told them this on the sixth day, this is what you're supposed to do. Here's what it says. It says, he told them tomorrow will be a day of complete rest. A holy Sabbath day set apart for the Lord. So bake or boil as much as you want today and set aside what is left for tomorrow. Meaning that, that at the Exodus, that, that God was saying, listen, remember I created you. I set this day apart and now I'm setting you free so you can worship me. So today do your production because tomorrow I want you to worship. Tomorrow, I want you to be set apart. I want you to stop. So he instituted it at creation. He reminds us at the Exodus, and then he commands us when he gave the law, when he, when he gave the Ten Commandments. This is Exodus 20. This is inside what we call the Ten Commandments. Maybe you've heard of them. God said, don't have any other gods before me. He said that, that don't, don't take my name in vain. Don't have any other idols. Uh, don't murder. Don't commit adultery. Don't steal. Don't lie. Don't covet. Like, like you've probably heard of those commandments. And most of us would go, yep, I remember those. And yeah, I know it's best to live by them. Well, there was another one that doesn't get mentioned often. It was commandment number four. This is what it says. It says, remember to observe the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. You have six days each week for your ordinary work, but on the seventh day is a Sabbath day of rest dedicated to the Lord your God. For in six days the Lord made the heavens, the earth, the sea, and everything in them. But on the seventh day he rested. That is why the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and said, and set it apart as holy. That God said, there is a day that I want you to stop. I want you to stop. I want you to think about me. That he says, I want you to stop. I want you to rest. And I want you to remember. I'll get to those rest and remember in a second. But, but he says, I need you to stop. And I think God put it inside of the commandments because he realized that we are bad at this. Or another way I could say it is, we suck at this. Am I right? Like, like, like we are, we're, we're just bad at it. But God was like, listen, I need you not to only stand that I instituted and I want to remind you of it. He eventually said, I'm going to command you of it. Then I'm going to tell you, you need to stop trying to produce. 
Because here's what, he, what I really believe God is getting at is if we don't take this principle to heart, then we will try to produce seven days a week. We'll try to produce everything in our life rather than recognize the provision of God. And we need to stop trying to produce all the time and start recognizing the provision of God. And the reality is we can produce more in six days than we can in seven. And I know you might say, well, that math doesn't work. What do you mean we can produce more in six days than we can in seven? Well, the, the math might not seem like it works, but... But it does. It's kind of like the principle of tithing. I don't know if you understand the principle of tithing, but, but in Scripture, God sets apart this principle. It says to give God the first 10% of your income. And the, the thing that most of us will say when we go, whoa, 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 you want me to give away 10%? No, I need 100% of my income to live. Right? It makes sense. That's what we think. But the principle of tithing is this. If you give away the first 10% to God, God will do way more with your 90% than you can do with your 100%. He will. Right? And, and again, you might think that math doesn't work. But it does. And the same is true with the math of the Sabbath. That if we will stop and give God one, he'll do far more with the other six than we can do with seven. Here's proof of it. Anybody enjoy Chick-fil-A? Right? Like, like come on, like, like, we in church, don't lie, right? Like, like we enjoy, and, and most of us get mad because, like, Chick-fil-A's closed on Sunday. And, like, for all of us Conway people right now, we're like, man, it's been bad because they closed seven days a week. We got to get that building back open, right? But, but I want you to know something about Chick-fil-A, that, that since they were started, their, their founder said, we're, we're not going to be open on Sunday, which is crazy to think about. If you know anything about the restaurant world, Sunday is the busiest day of the week. That, that for, for fast food restaurants, restaurants, uh, for big box stores like department stores, Sunday is the day to make money. Yet the owner of Chick-fil-A said, no, on Sunday, we're going to stop. We're going to stop. And everybody thought he's crazy because you're missing out on the best day of the week. He's like, nope. We're going to stop. Here's the crazy thing. Do you know Chick-fil-A is the third largest grossing uh, fast food restaurant um, in the world? Like they're number three, yet they're closed one day a week. Who's number one? McDonald's, right? And I love a good McDonald's, all right? Like, Like I'm a frequent flyer at McDonald's. I'll just tell you that, all right? But... But McDonald's is number one, Starbucks is number two, and then Chick-fil-A is number three. What's the difference? McDonald's has over 40,000 restaurants worldwide. Starbucks has over 33,000 restaurants worldwide. Chick-fil-A has 2,700 restaurants. Think about that. If you go per store... Chick-fil-A is number one per store on revenue, and they bring in about $5.1 million a year. And the next closest uh, fast food establishment is 3.9. Like they're blowing the competition out of the water. 
only six days a week because God can do more with six than we can ever do with seven. It's the same with Hobby Lobby, right? Hobby Lobby's closed on Sunday. Praise God. <laughs> Men, thank you. All right, or you're welcome is probably what I should say there. But, but anyway, you know what I'm saying? But either way, like both restaurants, they are, excuse me, Chick-fil-A is a restaurant, Hobby Lobby is a department store. They understand God can do more with six than I can do with seven. We need to stop. And again, for business owners, I know this is hard because you're like, man, I'm constantly working on my business. No, we need to stop. We need to stop and we need to rest. And we got to stop and then we've got to rest. And resting is difficult. Again, many of us are like, man, I, I don't, I don't want to stop, and I definitely don't want to rest. Like, like, I got things to do. I want to be about busy, and I want to rest. And, and many of us treat rest like a little toddler being told he's got to lay down for nap time, right? Like, like you, you pick up that toddler, he's like, it's time to, for a nap. You're like, no! And you lay him down, and 30 seconds, boom, they're out. How many of y'all would like to go back to kindergarten with mandatory nap time, right? We need it, yet we refuse it because we think, well, no, I got to produce. I got to produce. Understand, God said, stop and rest. Stop and rest because it's a gift that I'm giving you. He says, I want to give you a gift of rest. Says this in Exodus chapter 16, verse 29. They must realize that the Sabbath is the Lord's gift to you. The Sabbath is the Lord's gift. Let's do a little exercise. Josh must realize that the Sabbath is the Lord's gift to him. I could write your name in there. Like, put your name in there. Must realize that the Sabbath, to stop, is the Lord's gift. That he wants to give you a gift of rest. Well, how do I do it? Like, how do I stop and rest? Well, one, you got to pick a day, right? And see, see, this is where we kind of get confused. We think, well, do I have to do it like the Jewish calendar did it? Do I, do I have to do it like they did 3,000 years ago? No, right? The, 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 the Jewish uh, people, what they would do, the Hebrew people, what they would do is they would say Friday night, 6 p.m. to Saturday night, 6 p.m. That was their Sabbath. That was their day of rest. The early Christians did Sunday. Many of you grew up in a time where Sunday was, in essence, a stopping day. How many of y'all grew up and you remember you weren't allowed to cut the grass or go fishing on Sunday? right? Like some of you are there. That wasn't in my culture. It wasn't in the Midwest, all right? But, but everything was closed in the Midwest when I was growing up. Nothing was open. Now, now, our world has changed, but it doesn't mean the principle has. We still need to find a day to stop 
and rest. And, and, and that, that might be different for everybody. For many of you, it might be Sunday. Where you're saying, I'm going to stop, I'm going to rest, I'm going to remember, I'm going to come to church, I'm going to worship, I'm going to serve, I'm going to go and enjoy time with my family. Sunday might work perfect for your calendar. Doesn't necessarily work for everybody, right? Like, like there's people who have swing schedules where, where they work every other Sunday. So, so maybe for them, it might be a Monday, it might be a Saturday, it might be a Thursday. It could be whatever day. That's not what matters, it's pick the day that works with your calendar. But you got to pick it. And then you have to rest. And what does rest look like? Again, rest for everybody can look different. I am what you call an active rester. Okay? Hear me now. I rest actively. My wife rests passively. All right, and neither one of those is right or wrong. I'd I'd probably say they're both right based on the individual. And and here's what I mean. For me, I work with my mind at work most of the time. I'm constantly working with my mind. So yesterday was a day of rest for me. I, I sat at home all day yesterday, day of rest. If I would have sat around just like doing nothing, my mind would have went to work on church, on sermons, on research, on whatever, my mind would have, because I work with my mind all the time, so that's where my mind would go. So what I do on my day of rest is I often work with my hands. It might be going and golfing, that, that I'm just going out and not thinking about work, I'm, I'm just being active that way. Yesterday, like I said, was a day of rest. I literally went out on my deck at about 10 a.m. and didn't come in until the sun went down. And while I was on my deck, I was piddling the whole time. I was unscrewing a a, a sunshade. I was moving it, doing this, because it kept my mind from running to work. I actively rest. And I sat down at the end of the day and was like, today was glorious. Now, Krista, the exact opposite, all right, That, that she would love to grab a good book, uh, gra- grab a, a, a small blanket, uh, watch Matlock on TV, find something else to watch because she wants to veg out. And part of it is she works with 500 elementary kids all day long, all throughout the week. So on her day of rest, it's like, let me just be alone, right? And that is good. What I'm trying to get at is you've got to figure out what will bring the rhythm of rest because it's when you rest that you get healthy. In rest, we find health, health mentally, health physically. Here, here's a crazy thing, that, that when I rest, it, it gets rid of the stress. When I rest, the anxious thoughts go away. When I rest, it helps me mentally. It'll help me physically. There was a study done by National Geographic several years ago. And in this study, this is what they wanted to find out was who lives the longest? Like they looked at people groups all around the world. And they said, what people group lives the longest? And when they came to America, they found one specific people group that lives longer, on average, 10 years longer than everybody else. It's the Seventh-day Adventist. 
Now, now, why would Seventh-day Adventists live longer? Well, really, you could put it into two categories. One, due to their faith and, and, and some of the systems that they follow, they, they typically stay to a very healthy diet, all right? And because of their healthy diet, obviously, that's going to help. But secondly, they stop one day a week religiously. One day a week, they say, we're going to stop and we're going to rest. And here's the interesting thing. If you go a step further with it and you do the math, they live an average of 10 years longer. Now, they, they work into their rhythm one day a week. They stop and rest. What is 70 years worth of one day a week? 10 years. Like you can do the math and it works. When you rest... You get healthy physically, mentally, but spiritually. Because when I get rest and I want to rest in the right way, then what I'll do is I'll turn to Jesus. Matthew 11 reads like this. Then Jesus said, come to me, all you who are weary and carry heavy burdens, and I'll give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Let me teach you because I am humble and gentle at heart. And you'll find rest for your souls. That, that I want us to be healthy mentally. I want us to be healthy physically. I want us to be healthy spiritually. And what Jesus says, if you'll come to him, you can find the rest that you're really looking for. And that when you come to Jesus, he will help you physically. Jesus will help you emotionally. Jesus will help you spiritually. That, that when we come to him, he can give you real rest. Because even when you have physical ailments, you understand, I don't need to fix this. Jesus has got me. Because there's some things you might not be able to fix. I hope that makes sense what I'm trying to say there. That it's... When I'm struggling with something, I can give it to Jesus. That when I got mental things that I'm dealing with, emotional things I'm dealing with, I can give it to Jesus. That, that when I have spiritual burdens I'm dealing with, I can give it to Jesus. And I can find real rest. Because what Jesus will do is he'll lift the heavy burdens. That he lifts it from us. So my challenge is to stop, to rest, and then remember. Like to go to Jesus and say, Jesus, I just want to focus on you right now. Because I know if I rest in you, you'll do the work. And Jesus, I want to remember to be present with you right now. That, that Jesus, I want to remember just to pray and talk to you right now. Jesus, I want to remember, and I just want to ponder upon your word and remember it because I know it's going to help me rest. And Jesus, I want to remember you and purge the things from my life. And that's the reason I say that we need to do this pause on a weekly basis. But then we also need to still do it on a daily basis. That weekly we come together and we remember, and we reflect, we rest in him, and we remember him. Daily we stop, 
we rest, we remember him. So I'm going to invite us just to do that right now. It's just to go into a moment where we stop, where we rest, where we remember. And for some of you, that what you need to do is you just need to sit. You just need to sit with Jesus for a while. And I'm going to invite you during this time just to sit. For some of you, you need to go and take communion. As communion is a way to remember. That maybe you've never done this before, but maybe you need to come up and take that piece of bread and that cup of juice and just remember him. Remember what he did on the cross. Remember what he did through the grave. Remember what he wants to do in your life. For for some of us, what we need to do is we need to rest right now, and we need to sit in the presence of Jesus, and we need to recognize the fact that, that we've been trying to produce our own salvation. We've been trying to produce our own good works. We've been trying to produce, and now is the time to just stop and pause in him and admit to him that you can't produce your own salvation salvation and say, Jesus, come into my life. And I will tell you, if you try to produce your own salvation, you will never have rest. But if you will just say, Jesus, I'm coming to you for my salvation, you will find rest in your heart and in your soul. And you can do that by saying a prayer to him. You can do that by coming to the connect corner and just praying with somebody. Maybe today you want to go up front to our prayer corner over there and just say, I just need to sit with Jesus and rest. And remember, maybe it's a step of baptism. I I don't know exactly what it is, but I know this is that we need to stop and rest. So McKenna is going to lead us in a song. And I know normally we stand up right away, but I'm not encouraging you just to stay seated. Stand up when you feel like you're ready to. Come take communion when you're ready to. But let's stop. Let's rest. Let's remember. Sing along with her if you desire.